because you want to build up that faith. Amen. Uh, and we should think that way. Uh, and, you know, it's just uh, you know, especially since we've done healing school all these years, you know, of course, I've always believed in healing as a Christian. But, uh, you know, it, it's anymore nowadays when I think about it, 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 there's no there's no question or thoughts or hesitation about believing the healing power of God. There's just there's none in there. I just believe that God desires to heal me. Uh, and uh, and of course, that's a big battle for some folks. But, you know, if you'll meditate on the word long enough, you'll get to where it's it's second nature. It's part of who you are. It's not a question. It's not. I wonder if it's well, of course, he's going to heal me because that's his desire. He loves me. Amen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, and if you're not getting healing, healing, then, you know, I have just as much faith that the Lord revealed to me. Why? If there's if there is a reason. Right. Sometimes there's no reason. Sometimes it just it does take time. And. Uh, and, there, you know, there have been things that I've spent, you know, even many months to overcome uh, in my own life, just physical things. Uh, and, you know, I would check in with the Lord, you know, we're good. Anything, any problems, any reason why, you know, and if I don't sense anything, I don't dig up skeletons that don't exist and make up things. Well, it must be because when I was 12 years old, I stole a pack of bubble gum at the store, you know, and this is sowing and reaping. And it's all come back, you know, to, it's all come back now. And, and um, you know, but I, I know the word says that uh, basically, that, you know, just to, to paraphrase it, that uh, mercy will short circuit sowing and reaping in the negative sense. Yeah, and you're not obligated to reap everything you've ever sowed. I know there is a principle of spiritual law of sowing and reaping, but that's why the whole process of mercy exists. Uh, if if mercy didn't exist, then we're all doomed because all of us have sowed terrible things in people's lives and our own lives over the years. And except for the forgiveness of the Lord, we'd all have to reap everything we've ever sown. Uh, and, you know, we get to short circuit that uh, law of sowing and reaping in the negative sense if we repent and ask the Lord for forgiveness. And so, you know, you can repent and and um, um, and then overcome. Amen. You don't you're not required to suffer the consequences of your own actions. You know, that's the world. The world wants their pound of flesh and, and you will suffer for your actions. And uh, and, you know, I've even talked to people, you know, have uh, is the problem that I haven't suffered enough for you. I mean, uh, do you want more from me? What, what else would you like me to do other than apologize and ask you to forgive me? Uh, you want a finger or, or the first child or, you know, I mean, what, what is it that you would like, you know, and you and and they, of course, they get some mad when you ask questions like that, because from my perspective, you know, I'll do what's necessary. If I need to repent, you know, no problem. I'll repent. Uh, but uh, if you want to drag it back up every every week, every month, every year, um, though, that you just sound like the devil, you know, the, de- the devil is the only one bringing up your old sins that you've been forgiven for. Uh, the Lord sure isn't, because I, last time I checked, he said he puts him in the. Uh, as far as the east is from the west, he, and he cast them into the sea of forgetfulness. Uh, that's pretty long ways away. Amen. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, there is sowing and reaping, but, you know, you're not required to pay for your own sins. The Lord Jesus did that for you. So really all your I mean, the whole point of him going to the cross was because sin existed. And the whole point of him going to the cross and the way that he did it was to pay for sins that you have not yet committed. You know, you will commit sins more than likely sometime the rest of your life you know maybe they're small hopefully they're small and hopefully they're few and far between but my guess just you know if i was putting money down i'd you know I, unfortunately i'd bet against all of y'all including myself right <laughs> yeah they're you know they won't be perfect all the days of their life you know i'll put money down on that uh, all day long you know and uh, but um uh, you know he died two thousand years ago for the thing that you haven't yet committed uh, and there has to be opportunity to, to obtain forgiveness and I understand your attitudes got a lot to play in it, you know, and uh, and 
you know, if you're just brazen about some things, you, you know, the, I mean, you've got to stay on top of that because if you're not careful, you know, you go out, well, it doesn't matter. I just send, you know, God will forgive me. Well, he will. But if you don't get around asking for forgiveness, you know, you, you stay in that sin until it's, it's dealt with. Amen. Uh, and so, and that, I mean, that's kind of another whole discussion. But, you know, a lot of times people in their minds, because their minds aren't renewed, they keep feeling that they've got to pay for their own sins. They've got to suffer for the things that they've done wrong. Uh, and in doing that, what you're saying is that you need to take the job of the Lord Jesus, that his sacrifice wasn't sufficient, that your sacrifice needs to be added to his sacrifice in order to fully pay for your sins, except your sacrifice is woefully inadequate to do that. You know, you're, you're, the blood that you carry in your veins is not sufficient to pay for any sins. The smallest sin is not sufficient. Your, your blood is not sufficient. You, you didn't come from the lineage that Jesus did as the perfect lamb. You're not the perfect lamb, right? Remember the Old Testament? They could had to bring a lamb without spot. You know, if it had a if it had a limp or missing an ear or had a you know ugly stripes or something. No, the Lord not, the Lord's like no, you can't. That's not the one you bring. You bring the best. You bring the the lamb without spot. And Jesus was the only one qualified to pay for your sins. No human being has ever been qualified to pay for their own sins. And yet, how long have we tried? How many times have we tried? Lord, I'll suffer for my own sins. And the Lord's like, dummy, I already did that for you. Uh, yeah, and, and it's really, you know, it, it really shows a complete lack of faith when you think that you're going to suffer for your own sins. There's no faith in that. And there's no, nothing to admire about that either. It's not noble and it's not heroic. It's ignorance, you know, that has gone to seed. Uh, lack of understanding of what the Lord Jesus has done. Uh, not to just put it out there real plainly or anything, but, um, you know, uh, we, we don't want to be ignorant, right? Uh, faith people, you know, even if they fail, will, will still understand the, the, the uh, mercy of the Lord. You know, David is a great example of that. You know, you remember David when he sinned with Bathsheba? And it was a great sin because, I mean, so many, I mean, it, it, he planned it for days and weeks, you know, to kill Bathsheba's husband, right? And, and then finally the prophet Nathan came to him and told him about it and then said, you know, the, the child will die. The child was, was conceived in sin and, and the child will die. Uh, but, you know, David went and, and, and fasted for seven days on his face uh, and, and, um, uh, and the child died and everybody was afraid to go tell David that the child died. And, but finally somebody went and told him uh, and he got up, cleaned himself, went to eat. And they thought, what's wrong with you? You know, we thought you would be so mad and so depressed and so angry that the child died. Uh, and, and David said, look, uh, the Lord is merciful. And as long as the child was alive, there was an opportunity for mercy. And I don't know, don't know if I would get it or not, but it was worth a shot. Uh, and now the child is done uh, and, you know, the, the mercy came to an end. And so it's time to move on. And, and I mean, it was a terrible circumstance, terrible situation, but, but you could tell David understood who the Lord was. Uh, and so many times, see, we would go and we would, uh, in, if we were in that situation, we would go and do something. You know, we'd go feed hungry people to earn God's favor. Or we would go and, you know, sacrifice something of our, our own selves in order to, to substitute ourselves for the, for the life of the child. Or we would go, you know, do something or give all our money away or, you know, we would try to earn the favor of the Lord. And David just prayed. He spent time in the Lord to, 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 and, and uh, sought the mercy of the Lord. And in that case, mercy was not available. But uh, until the decision was done, David, uh, uh, as a man of faith, said, it's worth the shot. 
He didn't try to earn it. He didn't try to buy it. Uh, he uh, tried to obtain it through, through faith. But, you know, mercy, uh, the Lord reserves mercy as a sovereign act, right? Uh, and so we could go into a lot of de details about that. But David was a man of faith, you know, uh, and uh, it, it would be helpful for us to operate as people of faith in all that we do, even when we make a mistake, even when we do sin and do something that's outside the will of God. It would be good to, to operate in faith and move on instead of wallowing in self-pity and wallowing in, you know, how terrible we are. And that's a waste of time. We, we live such short lives on this earth. Even if we live to the full extent that the word promises that we could live to be 120, that's still a, 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 a second of time as far as the Lord's concerned. And so we don't have time to waller in self-pity for days and weeks and months and years. Uh, we've got things to do. People need to hear the good word of God. Amen. Uh, and all of you all know plenty enough of the word of God, even uh, the time that you've been in healing school, to tell everybody about healing, don't you? I mean, uh, I believe everybody in this in this class today has enough healing knowledge to to get hundreds and thousands of people healed just from what you know. Amen. Uh, and um, and, it, and that's that's rare in the church. It's rare that people will believe healing is as strongly as we believe it here. Uh, it's rare in the Pentecostal church. It's rare uh, in the charismatic world. Uh, and and so that you have a lot to to bring to bear to the world. A lot to add to the world. Uh, and that's really why we're here, right? Because the purpose of the church is to instruct and teach so that you all, including me, leave this building and, and present the gospel to not just the world. But sometimes you've got to bring the gospel to the church. You know, good news, God will heal you. Really? I had never thought about that. Uh, and, um, you know, or you spy out, you know, be a spy, you know, other places, right? Uh, and uh, bring the word, you know, secretly to them. And so uh, but that's fine, right? Whatever it takes, because God's good, and people need to know that God is good. Amen. Uh, and so, uh, let's open up our Bibles to the Book of Malachi, chapter four. So we'll get started there today. And, and um, uh, so we finished up chapter eleven. This chapter, um, I think there's only was thirteen or fourteen chapters in this. In this, uh, maybe this is it. I think this is it. Yeah, this is the last chapter of the book, right? So if you remember, uh, this book uh, is really a. a compilation of four books that Dr. Yeomans wrote many years ago. So and I've got the uh, copies of, of the original when they were four separate books. Um, and so they just put them together and because it's not really overall, it's not really that big of a book. Uh, and it's a fairly easy read on that. And so uh, this is the end of the chapter of the first book. And it will go into the second book uh, after we get done with this chapter here. But uh, this chapter, she's talking about the order of how Jesus ministered and, and the name of the chapter is teaching, uh, preaching and healing. And so uh, she she starts out here in Malachi chapter four in verse two says, but unto you that fear my name shall the son of righteousness rise with healing in his wings and he shall go forth and grow up as calves in the stall. Uh, and you know, I've always thought it's interesting just from a, a Bible history standpoint that Malachi was the last uh, book written uh, in the Old Testament, right? So it was the last public words that the Lord recorded from prophets in the Old Testament. And from this point until the time that Jesus came was about 400 years. So 400 years where there was no word going forth, where there's no new word going forth uh, for Jesus to come back. Uh, and uh, that was an interesting t uh, the time of silence in the world where uh, we don't know of any prophets. I'm sure there were prophets, but there were no public prophets that we are aware of speaking things that were recorded for our benefit. 
Uh, and, um, and then Jesus showed up, you know, uh, in uh, Matthew chapter 1, or the book of Matthew, right? Uh, and um, after 400 years of silence, and, uh, you know, we've not had 400 years of silence in, in the New Testament, right? We've been here in 2,000 years waiting for the return of the Lord, but uh, I don't know that there's ever been a century where there's been any silence because the Lord uh, lives on the inside of us, so he's speaking to us each and every day. Uh, and so, uh, but he, uh, he's going to uh, send forth uh, the, the Son of Righteousness will rise with healing in his wings. Uh, and so, um, uh, so that's, that was a prophecy of the Lord Jesus coming, right? Uh, and so I wanted to read this in, in other translations because uh, it kind of brings out some other points that are of value to us. Uh, one says, but to you that honor my name, there shall be a sunrise of restoration, swift winged, bearing uh, redress, lighthearted as frisking calves at stall. You shall go out to meet it. So when it says as calves in the stall, it just means, you know, uh, how calves will scamper around, you know, so they have the appearance of being lighthearted uh, and leaping for joy. That's really the, co the connotation that he's saying there, calves in the stall. Uh, one translation says, uh, but for you who honor my name, victory will shine like the sun with healing in its rays, and you will jump around like calves at play. Uh, another one says, but unto you who fear my name, the son of justice will arise and health will be in his wings, and you will go forth and leap, leap like the calves of the herd. So, uh, th just kind of a, a prophecy of healing is coming, right? Healing is coming to the earth again. Uh, and now we know, just from a standpoint of the Old Covenant, healing was always available to the, to the nation of Israel, but they never, they never uh, obtained the faith of that, right? I mean, Exodus 15, 26 was written by Moses, right? I, I am... Jehovah the Heality, I am the Lord the Heality, um, but they never seemed to get it, you know, it, it was been there forever, right, Jesus didn't come as a prophet of the New Testament, Jesus came as a prophet of the Old Testament, the only word that he had to give them was the words from the Old Testament, right, there, there, there were no new scrolls yet until after Jesus uh, passed, uh, and then the, the gospel writers recorded that, and then Luke recorded Acts, and the apostles recorded the rest of the epistles, uh, but but Jesus really came as a, um, uh, as a prophet operating under the old covenant. Uh, and so, so Jesus came, and uh, let's turn over to, to Matthew. So now we've got 400 years there of silence, but then finally Jesus shows up in the, in the book of Matthew. Uh, and, uh, and this verse really kind of summarizes his ministry. So Matthew chapter 4 it says in verse 23, And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the king, kingdom, uh, and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. And so that's kind of the, the, the general, it wasn't necessarily every single time like that, but in general, this was the, the way that Jesus ministered. Uh, there was teaching first, then there was preaching, and then there was healing after that. And, of course, we know we've been reading uh, Mark 11, uh, Mark 16 on, on Sunday mornings about how they went forth preaching the gospel everywhere and the Lord work, uh, uh, was working with them, uh, confirming his word with signs following. Uh, and so, so notice who uh, or, or where was Jesus teaching? Teaching where? In their synagogues, right? So, the, so uh, if you know a little bit about uh, Jewish history, uh, they had the temple. There was only one temple, and it was in Jerusalem. 
But if you didn't live in Jerusalem, you know, you couldn't just go to the temple, you know, which is equivalent to our church to be taught, right, by the, by the scribes and the Pharisees. Uh, so they would set up, you know, locations outside of Jerusalem where you could go and gather together as the people of God and be taught the word of God. And they were called synagogues. Uh, and so when Jesus would go into the place where they were gathered together as the Jews, what would he do? He would teach him, right? That's what he would teach in the synagogue. So he didn't preach in the synagogues. He taught in the synagogues because the church needs to be taught. So the synagogues are really equivalent to our church, our structured church. And there are people today who say, you know, we don't need, you know, the structured church. We need a simple church where there's no physical structures, you know, and, and they just lie because Jesus obviously had no problem with going to the structure uh, that was there in the in in really the old covenant. He didn't he never went in there, and said we need to tear down this building, you know, and just have home meetings. And, you know, we don't need places where people gather together as the people of God. And, but there are people who believe that today. Right. And they're out there, quote, preaching, you know, we don't need these things. And, and, and they believe that. Right. Uh, Yeah. And, and you know why? I'm not sure why, but they do. <laughs> you want me to tell you why? I can yeah. tell you why. And it's always the same reason, because it's not the structure the Lord set up. Who's the head of the church? Jesus. The Lord Jesus. Well, what ministry gifts did Jesus put in the, in the church? Powerful ministry, right? The apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, right? And if you put the pastor in the church, then who does he expect to shepherd the church? The pastor, right? And so home churches, now I got nothing wrong with Bible studies. People just want to learn more about the word. You know, that happens every day. And I, I got no problem with that. But many times uh, there's a lot of, a lot of um, uh, egos involved in home churches. Not always, but sometimes it's, it's somebody wants a following, right? Or somebody's mad at the church and they want to separate their own, have their own separate following outside the structure of the church. And, and if that's the motivation, they will always fail because... They're not ordained by the Lord, right? Now, I love fellowship around the word. I mean, I, I, you know, I go to a home church or a home, uh, home fellowship, whatever, it's fine. But see, if it's, not, if it's not being run under the umbrella of a church somewhere, it's always going to fail because it's always, it's always man's attempt to do away with the structure that the Lord Jesus as the head of the church put in place. And I remember years ago, I went to one of these, they were very large, one of these organizations that just seemed like sprouted up overnight. And they were everywhere, right? I mean, just... Uh, and I went to one meeting. They had 60,000 people at this meeting. 60,000, right? Uh, and because um, I needed to see, it's like, you know, everybody's going to me. What, what's the deal? I wanted to find out what the deal was, right? What, what's, uh, and, and I was watching them, listening to them, and my heart was just grieved because they would get up and be so condescending to pastors. We all need to gather together and support our pastors because they have a hard life, you know, and, it's, and they, they deal with a lot of hard things. So, you know, let's all kind of pet on the pastors and tell them, you know, we, we understand how hard it is. But but really, they had they, they were they had superseded the authority of the pastors and were, were feeling they were there to, you know, kind of pet the pastors and let them know how hard they were dealing with things. And I mean, I got the easiest job in the world. I work for the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Yeah. How how hard could it be? Right. I mean, I've had people say the most unkind things to me as a pastor. It's like. But, but they're amateurs, right? I mean, I've had real professional people say unkind things to me, right? Uh, yeah, but um, uh, but any time that we do things that are outside the structure of the church, we've got to be careful because, uh, you know, I mean, I know people that uh, many times, you know, they don't want to be a pastor because 
you know, then you're obligated, right? Then you, because um, for me as a pastor, and you know, I know we're getting a little bit into the pastoral role instead of the, uh, uh, instead of the, the healing class, but as a as a pastor, my life is obligated to you, and I sense that. I know, you know, I have an obligation to you to live to live as a pastor, to live as a minister, to to prepare and to pray and and to study and. Uh, and that's that's and that that weight of that it's not a heavy weight but it's a it's a real weight right it's there it's real that that I sense that call upon my life all the time uh, and if somebody's just rebellious you know uh, you remember when the, when the uh, uh, when and when the the magic uh, Bible came through uh, like Dayton when they had you know the oil and stuff well uh, when it all fell apart uh, the, the the root of it was you had a couple of people. Uh, and when I read, I read a whole long article about how it got started, who they were. And, you know, they seem to be nice people. Right. You know, some people will do something like that. And and it's all about the money. Right. They and they go out and collect a bunch of money. Well, they really weren't that that way. They weren't trying to collect money. They weren't trying to build a financial kingdom. Uh, but when you when you read everything, the impression I got was somewhere along the way they'd gotten turned off at church. Maybe a pastor said something they didn't like. Maybe somebody at church said something they didn't like or did. And so they it was their goal to have a church-like organization that was not being run the way the Lord Jesus wanted it run. Uh, and, of course, uh, and then it exploded. And, you know, I don't think they really intended it for, for it to be a, a national thing, right, where they were going all over the country uh, bringing their magic Bible. Uh, and uh, I think it just became a machine that didn't know how to, how to stop, right? And now they got this big lie been going on, you know, because they made it up, right? They said they, the oil came from tractor supply. And, uh, and um, uh, you, know, you, don't, you know what I'm talking about? It was a Bible that was, uh, that they said that they opened up the Bible and oil started coming out of it. And it just kept on coming and kept on coming. And so they would bottle up the oil and say, this oil will never run out, you know? Uh, and then people started having them coming to churches and and it kept producing more and more oil and kept and it was in a Tupperware tub and uh, uh, and um, the Bible was in a Tupperware tub and it would producing oil. And it turns out that they were just filling it back up with with tractor supply oil. I mean, they really did a chemical analysis and well, this is the same oil that comes from tractor supply. Right. And you go buy it by the gallon and they would typically buy it by like five gallon buckets, you know, and stuff. And. But that's what they, they were doing it now, now. So they were lying to everybody. Right. Everybody. Now, but people were having them in their church. They came to they, they came to Dayton, Tennessee, to a church in Dayton, Tennessee. You know, and they tried, you know, oh, you need to go down. I ain't going out. It's like, you know, not to say nothing. You know, people say, oh, this is real. It's like, you know, do you not have any more spiritual discernment than that? I mean, because who was getting all the attention? They were in that Bible. There was no glory of the Lord Jesus there because signs and wonders will always point to the Lord Jesus. So if the signs of wonders point to a human being or to a magic Bible, it ain't the Lord. I mean, that's really that should take about five nanoseconds to figure out. Right. And, and yet. But see, they didn't like the structure of the church. They didn't like the pastoral role, because if you're if if you're a sheep and there's a pastor, that means that you answer to somebody. Mm-hmm. And, and some people now, some people, best best Christians in the world support their pastor. You know, and I think most Christians are that way. But every now and then you get a knucklehead who just so rebellious i ain't answering to nobody you know and you can always tell you know uh where do you go to church oh i go to the to church of jesus i'm a member of the church of the body of christ so you know the pastor no Uh, uh, and what did jesus say in matthew chapter 9 he said uh, they are like sheep who have no shepherd 
They are scattered abroad like sheep having what? No shepherd. He never said there are sheep scattered abroad having no apostle, no prophet, no evangelist, no pastor, teacher, right? He said, uh, or no teacher. Uh, he, uh, he said they are sheep who have no shepherd. A- any Christian on the earth who does not have a shepherd uh, will be a rebellious, messed up, twisted, crazy doctrine Christian. Now, they probably go to heaven, right? And when they get to heaven, more than likely, the Lord will assign them to me, uh, you know. <laughs> Uh, or whatever pastor they should have gone to didn't go to, and they will have to answer to that pastor in heaven. I mean, I don't know, but I, you know, I'd put money on that. I'd, the Lord, because that just sounds like the Lord Jesus, something you would do. Now, you know, you didn't want to go to church under uh, that church I called you to go, so you're going to go to listen to that pastor. He's going to teach you how to, because you know, faith will never end, right? The, the teaching of the word will never end, right? I mean, we'll have to learn faith for all eternity, as far as I can tell, uh, and so, so Jesus went to the synagogues, right? He went to the structured building that existed where people gathered together in his name and learned about the Lord. Uh, And when people, uh, you know, if you get around anybody who doesn't believe that, I would run because they are rebellious. And the Bible says the bad company corrupts good morals uh, and they will corrupt you. Now, well, you know, uh, pastors, you know, uh, they're okay, But, you know, you have the Holy Spirit in you and you don't really need to go to a church. Is that right? You know, then why did the head of the church create the church? I mean, that doesn't make any sense. Because when I, when I read the Bible, one of the things, of course, as a pastor, but I'm real, Lord, how do you want this thing to work? How do you want this thing to operate? How do you want the church to function? And when I read, the more and more I read, just like this verse right here, I, you know, I understand my job as a minister of the gospel, as, the, as a pastor of a local church, is to, number one, instruct and teach. Number one, instruct and teach. It's not to... We had a church meal. That's not high on the priority, right? It's there. It's fine. No problem with it, right? Enjoy it. I love eating pie and, you know, whatever else, right? I mean, I just eat the turkey so I can get to the pie, right? I mean, everything else is just, yeah, it's just, it's just uh, um, uh, obstacles to the pie, right? You know, and so, uh, and uh, so nothing wrong with that, right? Nothing wrong with we're decorating a church for Christmas. No, you know, who, no problem with that. I got no, you know, some people, oh, you can't. Can't have a Christmas tree because somebody worshipped a tree a thousand years ago, right? <laughs> Anybody going to worship a tree during the next month or so? Nope. I ain't going to worship no trees. What in the world? What's wrong with you? You know, well, you know, you shouldn't do that. Well, I mean, how, you could find everything that we do in the society. Somehow, somebody terrible had done something terrible with that before you. Uh, I mean, every instrument we've got up here, right? Uh, don't we worship the Lord with these things? Anybody ever played devil music on a piano? Well, sure they have. Anybody ever played devil music on it? We got a, a saxophone up there, right? I mean, you know, I mean, we gonna, you're going to throw all that stuff out? Anybody ever used a microphone for terrible things, right? Didn't Jim Jones use a microphone once? Well, does that mean we can't have microphones in a church? Uh, you know, the absurdity in, in the, uh, I mean, it's just elevating things that have no value to something like it means something, right? What means something? The word of God means something. Faith means something. Healing means something, right? Uh, Christmas tree? What in the world? I ain't got time to argue, <laughs> debate over Christmas trees, right? Well, you know, you're just, you know, doing, you know, I'm thinking about having a Christmas tree in the shape of a steeple on top of a oh, church, yeah, you know, that'll, uh, that, that'll really make, you know, yeah, and w- with some Easter eggs around the bottom of it, you know, uh, uh, and so uh, the, just to, you know, because sometimes just, you know, Elijah, he had that attitude of just, he just, you know, laughing at them 
Oh, maybe your maybe your God's in the bathroom. I mean, that's what he said. You got to read the original translation. You know, he really he actually said maybe your God's in the bathroom, right? <laughs> that just sounds like something Elijah would do. And um, you know, sometimes that spirit of Elijah gets on you. And, you know, you just want to. Yeah, we're gonna have a big Christmas tree, like a twenty-foot Christmas tree, oh, yeah. Rockefeller-sized Christmas tree in our front yard. We're gonna stick it out. The whole drive will be a Christmas tree right there, right? Uh, because it's just a waste of time and energy to argue over that. You know, I had I had one fella. He spent an hour. Hey, I need to talk to you. You know, he's like, oh, ominous, right? I need to talk to you, Pastor. Okay, yeah, yeah. What do you want to talk about? And he spent an hour. And I was like, what are you saying? You know, he said, blah, 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 blah. And, it, and, and after an hour, I realized, you know, he's telling me and rebuking me that it's wrong for us to have an Easter, uh, an Easter egg hunt after church. And he could have just said, hey, I don't think you should have an Easter egg hunt after church. Okay, problem. No problem. You know, we're still going to do it, but, you know, okay. <laughs> We can agree to disagree, but, you know, yeah. no problem with that. You know, don't spend an hour, you know, beating around the bush. And, and then, you know, I mean, just tell me if you don't like it, just tell me. You know, we can, we can disagree. I'm, I'm not mad about it. You don't like Easter egg hunt. You know, can I have your chocolate? I mean, you know, I mean, you know, I'm not going to get mad because you don't agree with it. But um, go to the structure. Go to the church that the Lord set up. Jesus went to the synagogue. If he didn't think that we should have structured, uh, organized churches, then he would have never uh, gone to the temple. He would have never gone to the... Because, uh, you know, he told them, he said, I don't need a temple. I live in heaven. But he still went to the temple. You know, because people try to elevate the temple like it was really something important. And she's like, it's not that important. It's a building, but it's helpful. You know, we need to gather together as the people of God. Amen. Uh, and anybody who says they don't, they don't need a pastor, and you can always tell, right? Uh, uh, you know, I, I've always loved having a pastor. When I figured out that, that it's helpful for me to have one, and I, you know, I was with my pastor for 20 years, never left him. Right. Uh, and uh, and he was not exactly always kind to me. Right. You know, all the stories there. But so Jesus, number one, taught in the synagogues. And number one, what should we be doing in the churches? Primarily teaching in the churches. Right. And, you know, for years, the Pentecostal church completely missed that. That's why the Pentecostal church got so messed up, because all we did was preach at people in the church, preach at you. Right. You know, in some churches, all they do is preach about salvation. You know, got to get saved. Gotta, well, you know, I got saved 20 times already, you know. And I mean, you know, and look, you, sometimes, you know, uh, and I've seen it and, and it's happened to me many times. Someone comes in the church, you know, it's a visitor or something like that. And the Lord will change everything for that person. And they don't even know it. You know, the Lord will change the whole message and, and, and focus on something that you kind of end up preaching about. Uh, and, and so, you know, so it's not that the Lord will never have you preach in a church because sometimes Preaching is primarily for the lost, but it's also to inspire and to encourage and to exhort us to press into the things of the Lord, right? And so sometimes, you know, it's good for the church to have some preaching, but primarily the church should be taught. That's what Jesus did. So by example, we should look at what he did. So what did he do? He went to the synagogues and he taught. And he went outside the synagogues and he preached the kingdom of, 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 of heaven, right? Uh, uh, the gospel of the kingdom. And then what did he do? Then he healed. So that was really... Uh, the, the same order that we can do, right? Because if you're teaching in the church, you know, then a lot of praying for the sick can be diminished as far as the sick in the church, right? Yeah. Because now you all know how to obtain healing on your own. Yeah. Uh, and then once you see, once you know how to obtain healing on your own, see, then, then you have a gift that you can go and bring a good news that you're going to bring to the world. Uh, because, you know, if, if all you can bring to the world is, hey, my pastor will pray for you and, and get you healed. That's great. But what about you? Right. How do you get healed? Uh, do you always have to wait for the stirring of the waters for the pastor to have a prayer line? 
Uh, and look, I mean, that's, that's great. And, and you know, is, does the Lord heal around here? He does. He, we've had many good uh, testimonies of healing, right? So it's not that the Lord doesn't want that to happen, but his, his perfect desire is that we all understand how to obtain healing on our own so that when we leave this, you go, oh, uh, ever been healed? Oh, yeah, I, I, just last week, you know, this thing happened. I believe God and got healed all by myself. Uh, because we don't, number one, we don't want this to be the cult of the pastor, right? We don't want to, oh, you know, you have to go find a man in order to get healed. You know, that's kind of Old Testament, right? Uh, we, want, we want to take the gospel, the good news, to the people outside the church that God will heal your body. And, and that's such a good message that you can take to everybody, right? To everybody. I mean, you go to, you, 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 throw, a, you throw a rock and you're going to hit three people that are sick. Uh, and you can take the gospel to them. Hey, the Lord will heal you. Well, how do you do that? Well, it's okay. I'll, I'll pray for you right now, right? Uh, and, um, and so that's where we take out some when, we, when we leave the building. That's the design that the Lord has right here. Teach inside the synagogue, leave the synagogue, take the, the preaching of the gospel, which one part of it, not the whole thing, but one part of it is the gospel of healing. Uh, and then, and then uh, he said that he confirms his word with signs following. And one of the signs that he'll confirm his word with as you preach the gospel of healing would be to heal, right? Wouldn't, he, wouldn't that make sense that he would confirm that you telling the gospel of healing to people and then actually heal somebody? Um, and so, uh, so that's kind of the overall structure that the Lord Jesus uh, did in his ministry that uh, when he would go into these places, that's what he would he'd teach them. So what would, he, what would he teach them? He'd teach them the law. He'd teach them the prophets. He would teach them the Psalms. He would teach them uh, the, the, the uh, promises that, that the Lord has given to us. Amen. Uh, and so, so teaching will build uh, faith uh, in the church and the preaching will, will inspire the world to receive the blessings of the gospel, right? And first and foremost, it's always the gospel of salvation, right? But, um, but you know, sometimes before you can get to the gospel of salvation, you can, you can hook them in with the gospel of healing, right? you get, get their interest uh, aroused by the gospel of healing because it's pretty rare, you know, that, that it, number one, that it's happening. Number two, that people believe it enough to go preach the gospel of healing, right? They go preach the gospel of damnation, you know, on the corner, street corner, you know, send anybody to hell. Uh, and it's like, well, I don't know how that's good news, but, you know, uh, good news, I'm not going, but, you know, uh, I don't know how that's uh, the priority out there in the world about those things. Uh, and so... So uh, if he taught, what did, then what did he teach, right? What was the source of his material for teaching? Uh, it was the word, right? The, the word of God. And so that should always be uh, what we start with. And, um, and, and so she's really got some good, some good verses here. Uh, so let's turn over to John chapter 6 and, and start there. And, you know, uh, I understand that uh, even even in the church as a whole, if you if you tell somebody you believe in healing unequivocally, you know, without exception, there's a vast majority of people in a church as a whole who think you're crazy. Mm -hmm. There are people in the Pentecostal world who think uh, that you're crazy. And I told you, you know, uh, that the Pentecostal world had really gotten sidetracked because uh, all we did for years was preach in the church and get that that old spitting cotton, you know, that, that old picture, hang it, hang it, right? All that preaching there, you know. Yeah. Uh, I can't even do it because it's just, you know, uh, it, it's it's mostly theater, right? Now, I'm all for preaching, you know. I mean, R.W. Schambach, you ever heard him preach? You know, he'll, he'll preach. I mean, I got saved twice just listening, you know, in the same service. Uh, and, and, you know, he, I mean, he, he's a real preacher, right? Yeah. 
And there's certain preachers who just, they're preachers, right? And, and you know, they're not teachers. Uh, and that's fine, right? Because mostly the, the um, evangelist, he's primarily a preacher, right? And he'll come into a church and preach, you know, the, the salvation message to us or something related to that in order to inspire us to go out in the world and do the same thing. Uh, and so, but the Pentecostal world for decades was just preaching at everybody. Uh, and, uh, you know, if you follow Brother Hagin's uh, life, the Lord at one time said, you need to go and, and don't preach a single word, but teach the people. And Brother Hagin said, Lord, they'll never have me back. Because he said, they, they expect me to preach. And he used to be just a machine of a preacher, you know, and then finally the Lord, you know, um, got him over into the teaching gift. Uh, but it, it, was, it was really when the charismatic renewal happened, which is, you know, late 60s, early 70s, uh, and people started going. Uh, anybody remember these days? I remember these days. You go to a, a meeting and you go with your cassette player and you go with a little microphone. You know, you had an external microphone. You know, you set the cassette player down there, you know, about the about the you know, about that big. And uh, and you put the cassette in there. And anybody remember those days? Right. You know, uh, you know, you didn't see that in the Pentecostal world, but you saw that in the charismatic world. Right. Uh, you didn't see it in the Baptist world too much. You know, I know. But uh, uh, but when you went to these charismatic services, they would bring, you know, and I would, I did it too. I had a little cassette player, a little radio sack cassette player with a little microphone, a little stand on it. And because you, you're, you're too cheap to pay for the actual cassettes, right? And so you bring <laughs> your own cassettes there. So you, so you record the message there and you record it because it was teaching. You go back and listen to the tape over and over again. Uh, and, uh, and that was very new for the, for the Pentecostal world. They would sit down and hear a message about teaching. In fact, I've had people uh, visit the church here and say, you know, it's really refreshing to have somebody open up the Bible and actually teach a message out of the Bible. Mm. I'm thinking, how, how is that refreshing? How is that odd? That should not be odd. That should be kind of the norm, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and so, uh, and then they get mad and say, well, you're not teaching us anything. Like, <laughs> but you said when you first got here that, that all we do is teach, and now you don't like, but you don't like what we're teaching, right? Okay, well, that's a different problem, right? You know, so now, should I submit all my outlines to you and for approval before I preach anything? And, uh, what's that? Number of toes, right? They ran out of toes, you know. And so, uh, you know, Lord Jesus helped them, right? Uh, and so, uh, but that was a new, that was a new move. And it shouldn't have been new because what, what was Jesus doing? Teaching, preaching, and healing. It should never have been a new thing for, for, the, for the church to be taught. But you can listen to people and find, you know, this is unlearned. This is a person that doesn't know nothing, right? Uh, now, may, they may love the Lord, but they don't know anything. Uh, and, you know, uh, when you're a baby Christian, you can love the Lord and not know anything, you know. But eventually, hopefully, you'll learn some things, right? But not if you're not being taught. And, and I remember, you know, as an early Christian, I mean, I was, I was absorbing everything from the Word. But a lot of the things that I learned was in Sunday school. You go to the main service, and all you get was preached at. Uh, but then you learn about Abraham and David, you know, in and, and the Sunday school. And, and that was messed up, right? Because it's supposed to be... Uh, the the minister with the with the anointing of God is supposed to be bringing the revelation of the teaching to the church to inspire us to grow in faith. The, the teaching of the word will produce faith in your life. And that's why there's so little faith in the church, because there's not any teaching there, because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. All, if all we're doing is preaching, we're not hearing the word of God. Right. We're just hearing the, the gospel message. So. So he said here in, in the book of John, all the way in uh, verse uh, 63, he said, It is the spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Uh, so biblical words, words that come from 
the spirit of God are not just words. They are spirit words, right? They are spirit and they are life. So your words have the ability to carry with it the power of God and the life of God. They are the words that I speak into you. Now, we, can't we speak the same exact words Jesus spoke? I mean, there, there's nothing that Jesus spoke that we can't also speak, right? We can still speak about how, he, how, how he's the Messiah and how he went to the cross and died and for God so loved the whole world and the works that I do shall you do also. You know, I mean, we can, we can speak the same exact words that Jesus spoke. And if we speak the same exact words that Jesus spoke, can't they also have the capacity to carry with it uh, spirit and life? Uh, and so that's why we need to have the word taught to us, because when we receive those words then we're receiving that spirit and life into our lives and that spirit and life then can have an effect upon our our physical flesh. Right. Because although they're words of the spirit, uh, the spirit realm influences the natural realm because everything in the natural realm came from the spirit realm. Uh, and so uh, you have the capacity to carry with your words. Uh, you think about how how sacred that would be then. Your words can carry that, right? Now, your words can carry death and destruction, too, right? Uh, and remember what, uh, what James said, the warning, the warning that James gave us that, you know, how can sweet water and bitter waters come from the same fountain? And he wasn't really talking about your water filter system. He was talking about what you say, right? And what you say can be sweet words that carry with it spirit and life. Uh, now, in, in the context of this, we won't go through all this whole context about the, but. But all of us was saying that Jesus was, had been telling about, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part in me. Which, you know, if you tell that to a Jew, that you got to drink the blood of somebody, that's like saying, you know, you got to eat like, you know, boiled spinach or something. I mean, it's just like the worst, you know, that's like the worst thing you could tell a Jew to do is to eat and drink blood. Uh, and, and so Jesus was saying, look, you all keep taking this as if I'm talking about natural things. He said, the words that I speak to you are their spirit. In other words, there's there's a revelation behind the words that I'm saying that you're just not getting because you're so focused on the mechanics of what I say that you're missing uh, the spirit behind what I say. Uh, and so Jesus said uh, that uh, the words that I speak into you, they are spirit and they are life. So you as a children of God, as a member of the body of Christ, you have the capacity to also speak words that are full of the spirit and full of life. Uh, and when those those words are carried forth, they will produce the life that is being carried in those words in the life of the person that you're speaking to. So if that person needs anything that that uh, that life would replace, you know, any kind of death in their life, whether it's sickness, disease or uh, oppression from the enemy, those words can carry that life to them. And, and that's why we need to have good words taught to us uh, and not just Andy Griffith episodes and, you know, uh, be nice and be happy words. Uh, you know, that, that that's not going to help us. Amen. Because we need to have words that are being sent to us that, that carry spirit and life. Amen. Now, you know, we're not trying to make this, you know, uh, uh, spooky and weird or you know, it's what Jesus said. Right. Uh, and we don't want to sound, you know, like new age people or anything like that. Uh, we, need to, we need to say what the word says. Right. And if that's what the word says, then then we need to have faith that that's how it operates. Right. Uh, and, and in fact, he, he, you know, talks about this many different ways uh, in uh, Psalm 107:20, We know that verse. It says he sent his word and healed them uh, and delivered them from their destructions. So, of course, we know that that's kind of a play on words right there, because who is the word? Jesus is the word. So he did send Jesus, but Jesus was the word. Uh, and, he, and that word caused healing to come into their life. But let's turn over to, to Hebrews chapter four.
Uh, and of course, this is just a great verse here. And I know, you know, you uh, hopefully you all know this verse because um, by law as a Pentecostal charismatic person, uh, you kind of have to know this this verse. Right. But Hebrews chapter four, I'm going to read this in, in a couple different translations here. Uh, if we can get over there, uh, it says here in verse 12, it says, uh, for the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and in, intents of the heart. Uh, and, of course, you know, you could preach and teach just on this verse for a long time, right? Uh, the, I, I really like the New American Standard Version of this verse. This is, for the word of God is living and active. So uh, Hebrew, uh, the King James says it's quick and powerful. But uh, the New American Standard says it's living and active, living and active. So the, so the word of God is not just printed words on paper. Right. It's alive and active. Uh, and so that means it has an intent when it's spoken. It has an intent to bring healing or an intent to bring deliverance. Uh, and it's sharper than a two edged sword. Um, and it pierces div- uh, uh, piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit. Uh, and, you know, uh, if, if you're wondering, well, where is this coming from? Is this coming from my mind? Or is it coming from the spirit? Well, the word of God gives you the revelation of those things. It helps you understand you know, this is in soulless realm, leave it over there. This is in the spirit realm, leave it over there. Uh, and the more that you read the word, the more you study the word, the more you can distinguish between soul and spirit and keep those two areas separate. Because a lot of times people will muddy spirit and soul uh, and, and, and they don't make a distinction between the two. Uh, and yet uh, the Bible makes a great distinction between the two, right? Your, your soul is your mind, your will and emotions. And your mind needs to be renewed because your mind thinks squirrely thoughts on occasion, right? Uh, and just because your mind thinks it doesn't make it so. Uh, and so you need to divide asunder soul and spirit. So you know, oh, well, that's coming from my mind, not from my spirit. If it's coming from my mind, then, what, you know, it may be accurate, but it, it, I'm just going to leave it at my mind. Uh, there's no revelation in it. It's just information. Uh, leave it at that. But the spirit realm, uh, if you're born again, then you're good, right? Then, it, then it's the source of all knowledge and revelation. Uh, and uh, and uh, of the joints and the marrow and a discern of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Uh, and um, you ever said these words? I don't know why I did that. Well, go read the Bible more because it will discern and let you know the thoughts and intents of your heart. Why did you do that? Right. Uh, because that's the issue is 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 the condition of your heart. Right. And we're not we don't have time to go into all the distinction of the heart there. But um, uh but the word of God is how you find out why you're doing what you're doing. Right. The more you read the word, the more you realize maybe it's you're not walking in love. Maybe you're not, you know, maybe you have jealousy or maybe you have envy or maybe you have strife. I mean, there's a lot of things that go on in our lives that, you know, uh, the book of James says that, that uh, where envy and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. Now that to me, that's a great verse, because uh, when, when I see people that, that are operating in envy and strife, you know, it's going to follow them confusion and every evil work right so if they're people of 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 envy and strife always jealous always envious of people right Uh, and always stirring up stuff what's going to follow that person's life is confusion and every evil work now i didn't write that that's what the bible says right see that helps me to discern the thoughts and intents of my heart so if i look at my own life and all around me is confusion and, and every evil work and some people's lives are that way. You ever notice people sometimes, you know, they're always the sickest ones. They're always the most destructive ones. Always, you know, always, 
you know, if, if anybody's dog dies, their dog dies first, right? If anybody, you know, plants get eaten by bugs, their plants always get eaten by bugs first, right? If, if anybody's car breaks down, their car always breaks down first, you know? Whatever it is, it always seems like they you know, it's not just one thing in a lifetime, it's, it's one thing every day. Uh, confusion and every evil work. Well, then, see, that, that's a warning to me that if I'm living in that, I've got to back, start backing up. Because confusion in every evil work is a root or, or a fruit of envy and strife. And see, the word of God will discern that for you. The word of God will go, well, then you start backing up. Well, then, Lord, have I been involved in envy and strife? And he'll say, oh, let me count the ways, right? Uh, and he'll show you, you know, this attitude was, was motivated by envy. What you said there was and said to produce strife. You know, people who cause strife, you know, they're motivated by the devil. People bring strife into a church. They're motivated by the devil. They're not motivated by the Spirit of God. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you don't like it, just go somewhere else. Yeah. If you don't like what was said, just leave, right? Yeah. I mean, really, if you don't like what's said, you should repent yes. and grow up is what you should do, right? Yeah. But if you can't do that, instead of causing strife in a local church, just go somewhere else, right? And I never have understood why people feel like they've got to destroy something to prove that they're right. Because they're going to stand before the Lord Jesus someday and he's going to ask them, hey, I sent you to that church. How'd you, how'd you do with that church? Well, Lord, I, I, I busted the whole church wide open for you. He'd <laughs> be like, is that right? <laughs> I don't think that's going to go very well if you do that, right? Uh, and so, and I could tell you, you know, I could point somebody's life, you know, that person's life will be full of confusion and every evil work. Why? Because that person is full of envy and strife, right? And, and envy and strife, the fruit of that is always, is always, uh, confusion and every evil work right that means that you know they'll always have the hardest time getting ahead they'll always be struggling financially struggling physically struggling mentally struggling uh with their with the health uh, and it goes back to to these things over there right now if there's other things maybe that the root of it's not envy and strife amen but see the word of god when i read the word of god i'm always reading the word lord uh, is this me am i am i doing this thing is there any is there any confusion and e any evil work in my life because some people are just, they're confused. They have no idea what, what God wants them to do, where they should be. You know, they don't know what the word says, even though they think they know what the word says. Uh, you ever had people who act like they're Bible scholars, but what they say is like, does it make any sense at all? Because there's confusion. Because the motivation for them to know the word of God is to bring and be in strife. Um, and, and so they're, they're, they're completely confused of what the word says. Just like I said, you know, somebody's been an hour telling me how Easter is wrong. And, you know, and be in strife, right? Confusion. They're really confused. People like that are very confused. Because to me, when I read the Word of God, it's very clear, very simple. Not difficult to understand, not difficult to, to outline, you know. I could tell you that from the beginning of, of sin in the garden to the end of time. And it all, all flow. And I don't know every single thing about it. But, you know, it's all in my mind. It's all very clear, very simple, right? Not, not hard to understand. Uh, and... and uh, and I've tried to explain some things to people. But because, you know, I, don't, I didn't go to the school that they thought I should go to or they think there's somebody, they'll, I'll tell them what is a very simple explanation of what the Word says. And they'll take that simple thing that was very makes perfect sense and they'll explode it to being this, this huge complicated thing that doesn't make any sense at all. Uh, and, uh, and so, you know, I remember uh, I was studying and, you know, one thing I do, I kind of, uh, when I maybe get a new commentary, I'll go and look up a few a few verses, kind of find out where they're at, right? Uh, because, you know, a lot of, a lot of commentaries, that the people are knowledgeable, they know about history, they know about how the nation of Israel operated, you know, so there's some value, valuable things in there. 
then I go see, well, let's see what they know about spiritual things. So I usually go to like Acts chapter 2, right, to speak it in tongues. That's kind of a good barometer, right, to find out, okay, you know, where is this person at? And I remember pulling up one, and there was some worldwide commentary, right? Dozens of authors, you know, with all kinds of PhDs after their names. Uh, And the person who wrote that particular commentary said, well, uh, it really wasn't supernatural. What happened was these Christians lived in Jerusalem, which was an international city, and they could walk down the street, and any given day they would hear foreign language words, right? You know, somebody speaking in whatever languages were at that time, right? speaking some other language other than Hebrew. Uh, And so uh, then you kind of fast forward to uh, the time of Pentecost and the Jews were really against the church. Well, they were really against the church, right? Uh, And so they were under so much pressure because of the persecution that the, the mind has the ability when it's under pressure to recall things that you didn't necessarily study or 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 commit to memory, but it's still there like a computer. And so they were just repeating uh, international words they'd heard before. So it wasn't it wasn't God giving them, even though the Bible says as the spirit gave them utterance. Right. That's what the Bible literally says in Acts chapter two. But no, it wasn't that it was they were recalling words they'd heard going down the street. But the other problem with that, other than what the Bible obviously says that the spirit gave them words, it says uh, for these foreigners heard them sing praises to the Lord. So not only did they recall words they don't they didn't know that somebody else spoke to them, they took those words they didn't know and somehow reformulated them into cohesive thoughts that worship God. Now that's a pretty good miracle right there, right? You know, now there's not, you know, the, the words didn't come from heaven. They came from, you know, the guy over there walking down the street, you know, talking to his pal in, in another language. Now that's confusion right there. Right. That is that is so much confusion. I mean, you have to have a Ph.D. in confusion to even write something like that. Right. Uh, and but people are like that every day. They will rewrite the word of God and make it so complicated. Anytime people tell me doctrine and it's so complicated and full of confusion. I'm like, what are you talking about? You know, uh, I mean, they'll say things and I'm like, what what do you the gospel is is really easy. God loves us. He wants the best for us and he wants to tell that to the world. That's pretty simple, right? It's not even really much more complicated than that. And they'll be like, oh, you're just, you're just dumbing down the Bible, you know? And they'll, and they'll treat the Bible like it's a technical manual, right? And it's, it's not a technical manual. So, uh, so the Word of God has great value, right? The Word of God is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Uh, and that's really for you to discern the thoughts and intents of your heart, right? It's not given to you to, to discern the thoughts and intents of somebody else's heart, right? Unless the Lord tells you that. Uh, and so um, it, it's uh, um, uh, when Jesus said the words that I speak to you are their spirit and life. You know, the, the, the Bible is not, uh, you know, a lot of people have the attitude of, well, hurry up and get over with the Bible teaching because we want to see some miracles. You know, we want to see some stuff, you know, show me things, you know, do something amazing. Right. Uh, and and um, it, it's not filler. Right. It's the very life of God. It brings life into our lives. Amen. Uh, and it's spirit. Right. Uh, and so in the word of God, these 66 books are the only thing we have to reveal God to us. Right. As we read these words, God is revealed to us. Amen. Uh, and so uh, uh, I know we got to go, but let's just turn over real quick to John chapter five. I just want to mention that uh, particular verse there. So we know in this in this story here in John chapter five. 
Um, uh, Jesus had gone to this man at the pool of Bethesda, right? The man had been there for many years uh, and uh, hadn't got healed yet. And so Jesus came um, to this man in verse 6 and said, When Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now a long time in this case, he said unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? Uh, and so the word came to him, right? The, the word of God came to him. And how you respond to the word is really important, right? Now, of course, how does how this man respond to the word? Not, Lord, it's not my fault, right? But what did Jesus ask him? Do you want to be whole? Did Jesus ask him, uh, uh, why are you not healed? No. Did he ask him, you know, has anybody cut in line in front of you today? No, he, he didn't care about any of that. He asked him, he asked him a question, right? And the word spoke a question to him. Uh, and uh, so, you know, it's really important in our lives. How do we respond to the word, right? How, when the word of God presents something to us, how do we, do we respond in faith? You know, this, in this example, and we, we thank God for this example because the man did not respond in faith. He responded in doubt and unbelief that that's his problems were the result of everybody else in the world except for him, right? Now, he didn't say, uh, Lord, uh, I'm not healed because I'm too slow. He didn't put it on himself. He said, I'm, uh, I'm not healed because somebody else gets in front of me. So he did the old, you know, Eve thing, right? It's that guy's fault, right? And Adam's, you know, it's that guy's fault, right? It's, uh, no, he didn't, he didn't say, well, Lord, you know, I, I, I'm just not fast enough. I've been training, you know, doing the, doing the rolling down the stairs marathon every day, trying to get, beat the other guy out. You know, I got a couple... You know, I got a cane. I'm going to trip the next guy, you know, so in front of him. Uh, he, no, there's nothing. There was no uh, there was no um, uh, acceptance of his own limitations, acknowledgement of his own limitations of why he wasn't healed. And so the man was not a man of faith. And yet did the, the Lord heal him. So this is an act of mercy, right? This is a complete mercy. There's no faith in this man at all. Right. Because he didn't respond to the word that was spoken to him. Now, other times, you know, remember when Jesus asked a blind man, what do you want that we might receive our sight according to your faith? Be it done unto you. Right. They answered. They asked the question, answered the question correctly. It's always important to answer the question correctly. Right. So be be thoughtful when the word comes to you, because the word of God will always come to you sometimes with a question, but it'll always come to you. And sometimes, you know, the question is, will you believe this? And, and I can't tell you how many times I've seen people right on the edge, just right on the edge to having a major breakthrough in their life. The word will come to them and they'll be like, you know, that's just not for me. And they'll take all that word and just heave it out the window. Right. Uh, because the word of God is alive. It's living. It comes to you with revelation, it comes to you carrying life. Right. Spirit and life. Right. The words that I speak to you, the word of God will come to you carrying that and, and desires to to. Uh, invest into your life words of li uh, uh, words of spirit and life and how you receive that word is really important now i'm talking about receiving the word of god i'm not talking about receiving a man or a person or a minister i'm not receiving the word when they say something it's in the word right uh, you should treat it uh, like it's precious like it's gold uh, like lord uh, before i let me go wash before i receive this word it, it's so precious you know i don't, I don't even want to just flippantly receive it you know uh, and um I know when when uh, when I w w was a young Christian, I was born again, but I wasn't spirit filled. You know, to me, it was a really precious thing to get spirit filled. Uh, and and I wanted to receive the word enough to where I was ready to do that. And I had a lot of a lot of uh, overzealous 
Pentecostals, you know, well, you need to be filled now. Well, I know that, but I was so unaware of these things. And now, look, you don't have to be aware of things to get Some people just get saved and speak in tongues immediately, right? Praise God, you know. I can't stand people like that, but, you know, praise God, you know. Uh, I mean, you know, they just, it's easy for them to receive, right? Because they can just receive it. I'm, I'm, I'm a plotter, you know, I plot along. And it's not, that I, it's not that God owes me anything, but, you know, for me, it's important to have faith in these things. And that doesn't mean that they don't have faith, you know, because some people, they just receive just like that, right? And, and I thank God because the, they're a good example, right? We, we can all learn from people like that. But for me, I wasn't that way. I, I was, you know, it wasn't that I was in doubt and unbelief at all. It wasn't I didn't believe it. I believed it. But I didn't know enough about it. I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know how it worked. I didn't know what it meant. Uh, and I had no foundation of going to church and hearing about the Holy Spirit all my life. You know, I didn't have any of that. And, and so it took me about a year and a half after I got saved to get filled with the Spirit. And, uh, but I got it, uh, and I haven't looked back since. So, so, you know, when the Word of God comes to you, make sure that you, that's because, see, the Lord sought this man out. And sometimes He will seek you out with a word for you. Sometimes it's a Bible word. Sometimes it's a, it's a word of the Spirit. But he will seek you. He will find you. And I've got a word for you, right? Uh, from the word of God. And that word will become life to you in that moment. You know, you may have read that verse a thousand times. But in that moment, that word is alive to you. And it's, it, it, he has sought you out. Just like he sought this man out in, in John chapter 5 with a special word just for him. And the purpose of the Lord, you know, he was discerning. Uh, dividing us under soul and spirit, right? So this man was all in his soul, not in his spirit at all. And so what the word of God was revealing was this man was only in his soul. And the only way that he was going to receive healing was by an act of mercy from the Lord, which he was, he was gracious to provide, right? Uh, and so don't get mad at people. Well, you ain't getting nothing. This man got something. He got everything he desired, but no faith. Uh, and so don't be so hard on people when they're not ex perfectly in faith like you are, right? Uh, we don't want to be, we don't want to be those people, right? Well, if you're in faith like me, you know, wow, you know, you could be really important, you know? Uh, we don't ever want to be, because that's envy, right? Uh, that, uh, or that's pride, and, uh, and so we don't want to go down that road at all, amen? Uh, the Lord was gracious to this man, but see, sometimes the Lord would, would uh, give a word to somebody to help them see where they were at spiritually, uh, and remember the, 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 what the Lord told the man in Mark chapter 9 with the epileptic son, you know, all things are possible to him who believes. And, and the man said, I do believe. Help thou my unbelief. And so he's like, well, which way is it? Do you believe or not believe, right? Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, he's like, well, I just want to cover all my bases, right? I believe. <laughs> but, you know, help me over here because I don't believe, right? And so, uh, and, and it worked, right? So praise God, you know. Uh, at least he was honest, right? This man wasn't honest. It's somebody else's fault, right? He's, I've got unbelief. Okay, he's honest, you know. You know, the Lord can work with honesty a lot, you know. Now, look, if it's an excuse, well, Lord, I don't believe, you know. Okay, fine. 50 years from now, if he asks you a question, say, Lord, I don't believe, he'd be like, look, you had 50 years, you know. You need to get after it, right? Uh, and so, um, so the word of God is precious, amen. And, and the example that the Lord left to us was he was a teacher, he was a preacher, and a healer in that order, right? Uh, and and so that's that's uh, if that's how the head of the church operated, seems like that would make sense for the church to operate that way. Right. That's our example that he that he had. So teaching should be the, the first priority for the church right in the synagogue, in the church building. And to me, that's that's my priority. Amen. Every now and then I'll get the preaching, you know, and Chris be amen up here, you know, uh, and um, 
but you know that's not really my gift and, that, and that's fine right i love it when when the lord does that but um uh but you know most uh, i'm line upon line you know that and that's fine amen so let's let's pray and thank the lord for his word today so father we thank you for the word of god and father we thank you for the example that you left us and we thank you for the value that that you have applied to your words that they are words of spirit and life they have the ability to, and the capacity to carry the spirit of god and the ability and the capacity to carry life zoe life and so father we want to be wor- people who who speak words that carry and send uh, spirit and life to those who are listening we don't want to just speak empty words father uh, and so lord we thank you for that we give you the praise and the honor for it, lord in jesus name Amen. Well, praise God. Is the Lord good? You know, one of the one of the Proverbs talks about uh, people that are like clouds and wind with no rain. You know, and, and it's basically, you know, in the context of that, it's talking really about people who who brag a lot, but don't really have anything to show for it. But it also talks about our words, right? Sometimes our words are clouds and wind with no rain. They carry no life. They carry no spirit. They sound good, right? Uh, they sound spiritual, but there's no there's no life in them. Amen. Uh, and so. We don't want to be people who speak words, clouds and wind with no rain. Amen. Uh, and so uh, let's get ready to receive this afternoon's offering. Uh, and so don't forget uh, Wednesday night. We will not have church uh, Saturday morning at 10 a.m. We will we will do the church decorations and um, uh, and then we'll be back here for regular church on Sunday morning. Amen. Uh, and so uh, Jared, come ahead, and receive the offering. We appreciate you all's faithful giving uh, and. Um, uh, we're still planning on redoing the sanctuary. You know, we're, we're working, waiting on some uh, some design information about that. And then, of course, we'll have to get in the queue for for getting that work done there. Uh, but one of the ideas that they were talking about was to remove uh, all of this ceiling up here and go straight up all the way. Because if you don't go outside, it's a barrel shaped building. Right. And so one of the ideas were just taking this all the way up to the ceiling there and open up, you know, make this a lot more open in here and uh, uh I mean, that's, it sounds like a great idea, but, you know, there is probably, you know, this building was built, you know, at the time of, of uh, um, Studebaker cars, right? Anybody seen Studebakers today or yesterday or last 20, 50 years, right? So, so how old is this building, right? They're pretty old, right? And so there, there may be a couple of dead Studebaker employees up there. We don't know, you know. I mean, I hope not, but, you know, I mean, you know, they might have gone up there and just expired. Who knows, right? But, uh, uh, uh <laughs> it does need to go and so we because we think thought about putting something under it you know and and i don't know what we'll do you know i don't that's just some ideas you know that they had and and um uh, they want to uh, take all of this office space and kind of move it over that way and open up this whole area there and kind of have the whole area up here as a stage as opposed to just this part of it and so you know some ideas you know and uh but uh i think we've we've got to get a license for some dynamite uh and uh just take a stick of dynamite to everything right and so uh uh, I think it was 1936 or something like that. You know, do you remember Dora? Was it, was it 36? Yeah, it's about that about that time, about 1936 there. So, um, so it, it's been around a while, amen. Uh, and we've we've uh, reused and reused this building for a lot of things, right? So. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's good. Got good acoustics back there. Uh, and so um, 
we'll have to figure out how we heat the thing right. I mean, you know, we'll have to figure out how to get some spray foam or something on it. You know, we'll, we'll uh, you know, I just want to preach the word. And so um, I'm going to let somebody else figure all that stuff out, how to do all that. But um, but we'll have to figure out how to transition if we do that, you know, because we still need to function as a church and ministry, how we transition that. And, and you know, I, I would encourage you all uh, be meditating on that as, as we do that, because I'd like to do that. I think it's time for us to up, update the sanctuary here. And um, but some people, they they have a problem when churches go through a process like that. They'll end up leaving church and not coming to church because there's dust or, you know, they saw a hammer on the floor or something. And and they just uh, I'm not trying to be facetious, but, you know, sometimes we, we need, all need to grow up sometimes. Right. It's just, it's just stuff. Right. Uh, and uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so, you know, it's uh, uh, it shouldn't be a thing, and we will not make it a thing, you know, uh, but uh, I just want to encourage you all, be praying about that, you know, what we need to do, and and um, um, it, it's time uh, it's time to do something like that, and so it's not a big deal for me, it's just a thing, right, and so uh, we'll make it through, we'll figure out what we all need to do, and, and before we make any final decisions, we'll talk to all y'all, see what you think about it, and and um, uh, but I think it'd be, fun, it'd be fine to do that and, and help out uh, the ministry here, and so because uh, we don't want we don't want people to be distracted by the 27 different types of wall. You know, it doesn't bother me, but, you know, I mean, uh, you know, when I got married, I thought, well, we painted the house when we got married. Why do we ever need to paint it again? Right. I mean, I could be fine. The rest of the rest of creation. Right. It's blue. Right. Uh, and um, uh, but anyway, you know, uh, there are more colors than than what we got right now. Gray. Right. Uh, it's all gray. Right. And so the other colors are right. So, yeah, <laughs> that ceiling. I uh, And so. Uh, well, we'll get there. Amen. We'll pick this up next Sunday and uh, you all have a, a blessed week and enjoy your Thanksgiving with time with friends and family. And uh, we'll see you next next uh, Sunday.